Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. One of my favorite things about recording these Wheels Off conversations is getting to meet people whom I admire. It's always been a perk of my job to meet these people I look up to. And one of my very earliest moments of that happening was when in the mid-1990s, I got to meet, befriend, and eventually work with John Doe. His band X was essential to my formation as a musician, as a songwriter, as a performer, the abandon that he threw into his songs and his performance and his stage demeanor is something that I admired from, I don't know, 13 years old on. And the fact that later I got to work with John and be friends with him and eventually become, you know, contemporaries, guys that hang out, it's, it's pretty fantastic. It's something that happens again and again in these wheels off conversations and people that maybe I didn't know them, people that maybe I've been a fan of for years. With John, it was, it was, um, that was a very foundational thing, getting to f- figure out that someone who was your hero can then become someone who is a real human being and even a friend. And I'm so grateful that John sat down with me for the Wheels Off treatment. He has a new album, Fables in a Foreign Land, that we talk about at length during the course of the conversation. Obviously, his work with the band X over these years is something that if you're not familiar with it, I encourage you strongly to go familiarize yourself with it. John Doe is more than just a musician. He's also an author, a couple of great books about the history of LA punk rock. He's a great actor. It was interesting talking to him about his experiences acting, which he's still doing. And he's a great dad. I've gotten to see that in action. He's a great role model and he's a great friend. And for the purposes of Wheels Off, he's a great interview. So I'm really glad that you're gonna get to hear this conversation with John Doe. Welcome to Wheels Off, John Doe. Thank you so much for joining us. You're so welcome. And by us, I, I just mean me, and then eventually the listeners. Yes. Um, for the edification of those listeners, from where are you joining us? Austin, Texas. Nice. Yep, they, your they old can't, home state. I know. They can't see it, but you've got a nice little spread behind you, some cool art and books. Is that a working space for you? It's my office. Yep. I love it. Secretary's in the other room. <laughs> There's no secretary. I'm the secretary. <laughs> what's the, what's the, the Mitch Hedberg joke where he said, I don't have a girlfriend, 
but I have a girl who'll be really mad when she hears that joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but you don't have either, no secretary or um I have, I have a I have a beloved. I'm very lucky. That's true. She's taught me so much. Oh. But that's a different podcast. Exactly. Um, that's with uh that, that'll be with Brene Brown. It'll be awesome. If you're um, listening, Brene Brown. I'll be on your podcast. Yeah. Listen to what a great podcast guest he is already. Look, he's killing yes. it. <laughs> um, so, John, I know you just got back in town from a quick jaunt out to the West Coast, but I wonder on a more creative tip, what what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Oh, I am. Uh, well, I don't know how much it lights me up. That's debatable right now because I'm. Uh, doing press for uh, a new solo record called Fables in a Foreign Land, and it's with the, uh, it's just my name on it, but it's a, it's a trio, the John Doe Folk Trio is what we're going by. And um, it's... Who's, uh, who's in that? Kevin Smith, I who so. normally plays with Willie Nelson, playing the upright bass. And Conrad Chacroon, who uh, has played with everybody from NRBQ to the Damnations to Patty Griffin. And uh, other assorted bands. What was the one that he had back in the 90s? The Banana Blender Surprise. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I know. The most embarrassing name. But yeah. we'll just concentrate on NRBQ. Conrad, Kevin. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a concept record, Brett. Yeah. Hopefully without pretension. But it's I you. You're, well, you're a fucking poet, man. What are you going to I try. I try. Um, but uh, it is all set in the pre-industrial times of the United States, like 1890s, uh, just as things were really uh, changing. And uh, it's got a beginning. It's got an end. The middle is kind of up for grabs as far as um, what happens. And uh, there's a little bit of humor, but it's mostly uh, pretty dire and sleep on the ground and, and uh, like people say, Oh, it was a simpler time. And it's like, no, <laughs> it was just more elemental. I mean, it, it, you, you either got your food or you died or you starved. You got your water or you, you know, died of thirst. You uh, fixed the roof or you got wet. Um, so that appealed to me. I, there's a bunch of, you know, historical fiction that I love about that time. So it just happened. I don't know. It's funny. I feel like over the years, and it's hard for somebody with a catalog like yours that spans so many albums and decades. It's. I feel like though you have always been drawn to songs with stakes, you know, like mortal stakes. You know, some people. It seemed like some people, you know, especially maybe when you guys were starting, there was a lot of more overtly political stuff, and there's obviously love songs forever and ever. But even your love songs, I feel like they can be, they sound scary. Like shit might go really sideways. Yes. Uh, I was always drawn to that, you know, crisis is, a is a good thing. Like, you know, uh, even, uh, plays, you know, the, the theater, I think that, that where everything happens within 24 hours, you know, when, when stuff it, and you're joining the, the story as, as it's coming together or breaking apart or, you know, at, at a, a crossroads. Yeah, that's. You know, that's uh, shit's going down, like you say, because it's going to go sideways. So uh, that's that's juicy and, yeah. and uh, full of it's fraught. 
do, do you still think about uh, or, or do much acting? I know that there was years in there where you were pretty busy. Uh, a little uh, bit. You know, uh, I, I did one movie before lockdown called mm -hmm. uh, it was a remake of DOA, the Edmund O'Brien 1949 movie. And we did it in period and I got to be the guy and yes. it was down in St. Augustine. Uh, it's all black and white and we're trying to find somebody a festival or some distributor who will do it it's it's pretty much done and uh it's really good i mean uh, not bragging about myself but just the whole thing looks really real but it's not trying to be a, a period piece it is but it isn't you know it's yeah that's the best right when it doesn't get hung up on you know the winkiness of the fact that it's set in another time and it just that's where right. it is yeah right same thing with this record i mean i didn't do some academic study of what is or isn't folk music <laughs> you know i i just figured like if, if you want to you know if you, as you're doing a, a solo record and, and you're inspired by something you don't try to um emulate it you just do your version of it so this is you know my version of folk music and i figured i had enough <laughs> i had enough experience I, I could wing it although i did look back i did listen to some old stuff for like guitar sounds and acoustic guitar you know like ooh, what strings oh i'll try these strings <laughs> i didn't get too nerdy about it but i did a little bit of that it's funny when you talk about not specific <laughs> not like emulating something specifically and and i wonder about like when when you were because this has come up a lot like i think about michael shabon describing uh writing basically fan fiction of sherlock holmes novels as his mm -hmm. first like long form fiction um mm -hmm. and i know for sure for me you know my earliest uh songs were very derivative um and as it goes like you say you don't you don't go necessarily to your inspirations and copy them mm -hmm. uh, verbatim but i wonder for you when you when you were starting was there more of that um sort of copying other people or were you coming up at a time where stuff was just breaking open and changing so fast that that wasn't a possibility <laughs> uh i got all that embarrassing songwriting stuff out of the way before i moved to california <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I think my first song was called Stable Boy because <laughs> I had to sweep the patio or something like that. And I thought, I'm just like a I'm like a indentured servant, <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I got a lot of that stuff out of the way. But I would say after you kind of get your chops together, your writing ability, even if you tried, like if I said, Rhett Miller, I want you to write a Sonic Youth song. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun. Sure, but it, it wouldn't sound like Sonic no. Youth. It would sound like your interpretation of it, right? <laughs> totally. So, so that, I mean, there, there's people like Peter Case does that in his, he does songwriting classes and stuff. And, and, and yeah, it, it, it will not sound like them unless you're some people who will go nameless who just rip people off. Yeah. And I think that's uh, it's sad and it's unbelievable that sometimes the you know major press, you know, music writers fall for it. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding? This is just a like a shameless like ripoff that is not very good. And you're just going, oh, my God, it's the new Bob Dylan. And it's like, 
Nope. Are you that hungry for it? But anyway, I won't. The, the they best have, is they have, they have a job to do, and they do. <laughs> the right. best is when those people uh, claim to have never heard the artist that they sound exactly <laughs> like. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, they they have deeper troubles then, and, and I I will have empathy. There you for, go. For, sympathy for them. Um. So those early days pre-California, when you were writing your embarrassing material, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that doesn't exist anywhere. Nobody can probably no. find Stable Boy. No. No. Um, so th- those early days, do you remember earliest, perhaps days, do you remember knowing always that it was going to be this this kind of life, music, art, uh, eventually, of course, acting and writing, but I think of no. you first as a musician. You don't, you don't, mm-hmm. it was, was it always in your consciousness or was it a well, later? I mean, I started uh, playing bass when I was about 15. And, you know, my other friend, one one friend played piano, and then he had a friend who played guitar. And so, oh, well, I'll play bass. I mean, it's easier, right? It's only got four strings, which I was right. <laughs> I was correct. <laughs> you, can, you can make noise on a bass quicker. Uh, it's a little more physical, but um, it, it's just, it gets, it's just tricky to play, to play the right thing. Um, I didn't really think I would have a career until maybe, I don't know, 2000. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where X had kind of taken a, you know, said, okay, that's it. Once Tony Gilkison, uh, we parted ways with Tony and, and it was, you know, it was sort of, it was okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't all lovely. And, my solo career was kind of crappy and I lived out in the mountains and I thought, Oh God, I might have to get a job, you know, like a real job. It's a, you know, it's all right. That's humbling. (laughs) I I can remember that. I can remember going to, you know, do solo gigs and there's 30 people there. And luckily now there's like 120. So that's nice. Even in those electric years, like when, um, you know, you're working with Vance yeah. Eric and you're like, they're pumping yeah. money into X and you know, the crowds are going ape shit. It still felt like it was like it could go oh, away. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, everyone has a peak and then, you know, falls. Sure. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money in the bank. We didn't have hit records. You you know this. We're like <laughs> journey. We're journeymen. Yeah. Which means that, uh, you know, I used to think that was uh, derogatory. I used to think that was kind of a cut. But now I can embrace it because, you know, like character actors or, you know, people like that. We, we just were creators and that's what we do. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful for the last 10 or 15 years with X where, where we've done well and I own a home and, you know, things like that. So... Uh, you gave me a piece of advice in 96, maybe, um, when we were working together. And you said, um, make sure you ask yourself this. Do you want to be a bar band? Because if you don't want to be a bar band, you have to take whatever steps necessary to put mm. your, to put yourself in theaters, on bigger stages. Just mm-hmm. decide if you really want to be a bar band. for Because I wonder, because that was clearly pre 2000 that was pre Mm -hmm. you figuring out that it was gonna that there was a happy ending for you as it were um but like now would you would you 
say something different or would you would you still have given that because because maybe being in Probably. a bar band isn't that evil uh no it's not and 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 i, I think it's just asking yourself what are your ambitions yeah. um especially in the last two years i've thought i you know just going out and screwing around and you know gardening and going to see my horses and and just you know, doing whatever the hell we please, except for going out to restaurants and seeing friends, which was tough. Um, I could, if I could afford it, I would retire. I might and, and do it when I just damn felt like it. Um, so yes, I, I probably would give different advice. I would say if you want to be a bar band, just be a really great bar band, you know, be, <laughs> be, be the best the damn bar band. Uh, and, you know, living in Austin, that, that's such a, a culture here, uh, doing residencies and, and uh, you know, even Kevin will just pick up a, a gig. Somebody calls him up and said, I'll give you 150 bucks. And, and he said, sure, because he loves to play. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on, on what you enjoy. Yeah, I think you can burn out. I, I think that people do kind of burn out. And, and maybe they don't have the, you don't see the spark in their eyes as much as they could if they're playing a little less. Do you, so you, you've been back out on the road some post pandemic. And I wonder if you've had this experience where you go back out to travel and suddenly what once seemed everyday normal hassles of traveling that you wouldn't think twice about you're looking around going, what is this schlep? Like, why am I doing this? This is, an, yeah. I mean, you sort of alluded to this before. Mm -hmm. That's you've, you've noticed that as well. That's a weird phenomenon. I think whether, yes, it is a weird phenomenon. And I think that anybody who is venturing out and going on airplanes and, and being inside uh, restaurants and things, it, it can be terrifying. It depends. You just have to manage somehow manage your anxiety and, you know, especially in the last, I don't know, month, I've heard of all these people that are out on tour and then somebody gets, you know, somebody tests positive and then they have to miss three or four shows. And, you know, I mean, even like Jeff Amon from freaking Pearl Jam just got sick. Yeah. And so they had to cancel a couple of shows. And I'm figuring that if anybody's got pretty rigid protocol, it would be Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> and if they can, if they can isolate themselves, but they have a really big crew and I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's exciting and terrifying and yeah. it's a, it's a fucking bummer. Yeah. It, it, it makes me sad and I try not to be angry about it because there's so much anger nowadays. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, at a, june tour with the trio and then x is going out in july and august and i'm totally grateful to be playing you know bigger places with the psychedelic furs and that's going to be awesome and like yay but i know that somebody's going to get sick it's just going to happen oh man i know it's fucking weird is it Bi billy on guitar oh yeah oh yeah good, yeah good. i mean yeah he's he's actually uh Pandemic has been very good to Billy Zoom. He, he lost a, <laughs> he lost a bunch of weight. Um, nice. He uh, yeah he he's he been had the opposite pandemic of everyone else. I know. <laughs> well, that's not surprising since <laughs> Billy is such an odd, wonderful, yeah. incredibly creative but strange person, uh, which I 
I think he would probably embrace that description. <laughs> description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and what about you? I mean, have you been playing, you've been doing, uh, you were just here with the old 97s, right? We we did a we did the new venue in Austin called the Far Out Lounge, which is used right. to be an old biker bar down way south Congress. Yes. And uh, it's not bad. It's, it's a cool yeah. little, it sort of fills the void left by uh, backyard being gone. It's similar mm-hmm. capacity to Stubbs. Sorry, I won't bore our listeners with the. No, shop, that's all right. Talk, I'm, but... I'm just curious about about what it's like for for you guys. It's it's been great, but it is weird, <clears throat> and we've yeah. been really lucky. You know, we're 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 super small um, footprint crew wise, but mm-hmm. we are about to go out and do a ton of stuff in June and a ton of stuff in September and. You know, I'm I'm nervous about how it's going to shake out because, like you said, even yeah. the most vigilant, you know, I know Nico Case and her crew, they're they're as yeah. masked, masked up and vaxxed up as you can get, and you know, yeah, like Kelly Hogan's just got just got it, so it's whatever. oh really, yeah, I, I just saw her with Mavis Staples and and oh that's her she was out with Mavis and yeah. mind blowing, so good. I know they're here yeah, anyway. Yeah. I love I love Mavis. Yeah, man, I I I don't know what it's going to be like, but. I do love this weird job still, despite everything. Yes. Well, thank goodness that the, you know, the hour and a half that you're playing is rewarding. And I think we, you know, I'm constantly grateful that I enjoy performing. I like relating to people in in that way and exchanging that energy and stuff like that. And, you know, who was like Jack Nicholson or somebody said, you know, they pay me for the waiting around. The acting is free. Yes. And it's like they pay us to just drive, you know, three, four hundred miles a fucking day. And it's like, yeah, the other stuff is. A so it just depends on how much you hate the, the other stuff, the stuff that's not fun, you know. So like to me, I've always I've always thought of you. And I think that there's a common perception of you as pretty much the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but my, I'm getting somewhere with this. You, uh, you don't seem like you are subject to the sort of um, the whims of um, like mortal self doubt and like the the ways that we beat ourselves up internally. The self generated obstacles, like the voices mm. in your head, like you don't necessarily seem like the kind of guy that's really um, uh, subject to all that stuff. But I know from listening to your songs and then from knowing you as well, that you are, you know, you're a sensitive guy. And I know that, you know, you can't be the only person in the world to be uh, free from those demons. Um, so I wonder when you do encounter that kind of stuff, the the self-generated obstacles, the interior voices that are really negative. Mm. How do you deal with those? How do you push through that? Uh, I I try to remind myself what what I've been through. I try to remind myself what how um, fortunate I've been, and uh, you know what what we as a band X and what I as a person have accomplished. And it's like, okay, this is just a uh, you know a dip. This is a mo- you know I I just give myself kind of a pep talk, and but at the same time I I. I'm really fortunate that, you know, my parents, as difficult as they had it at times, uh, as a couple, they loved me. So I have this, this, you know, core thing of like, 
it's going to be okay. We aren't going to starve. Uh, and, and I know people who, who have a completely different experience and, and that that's where the, those negative voices can, can really be damaging. Um, so I'm, I'm just incredibly lucky to be a, you know, American white man. And, and I try to, well, I try to, to, you know, pay it forward to, to, you know, do things and be good, but, uh, in order to, to help other people to be an ally and, and things like that. But, um, the negative voices, they do happen to, to everybody, you know, and, and I'm, but, uh, yeah, I just try to push through it. And, you know, I, I was talking about going to see my horses and, and they're not fancy. We ride on trails, but they're the most in the moment beings, I think in the world, because it's, they're prey animals. They're, you know, and, and we're predators. So that combination is very strange for them, but they still keep their cool. And, but it's all right side of the brain. Cause that's right here, right now, right here, right now, right here, right now, you know, so you just have to be very present and it, it's calming uh, in that way. That's a, that's another podcast. No, that but, sounds great though. <laughs> but, but my, uh, my horse, my, my horse sugar, who was named by my daughter uh, when she was 13 um, she helped me write one of the songs, bringing it back to fables in a foreign land. Yeah. Uh, cause horses don't really give a shit like what you're, well, they'll, they'll react to your problems, but they actually don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they will be very reactive. If you're breathing, if your breathing is shallow and fast, they will say, Oh, this person is nervous and they'll, they'll be nervous. You know, they'll react to it. But, um, so there's a song called traveling so hard about someone who's been out in the, you know, country and sleeping on the ground and thinking like, Oh God, if I could just, you know, sleep in a bed, that would be great. And if I could have like a actual hot meal, that would be even better. And, Oh, maybe I could get a drink somewhere, you know, or just some rest. And, and there was the, the third verse is, um, uh, he fell off his horse as drunk as he could be. Uh, he fell off his horse. Nobody laughed, but me, that mare didn't care one way or the other. She'd been traveling so hard <laughs> wow. and I was sitting there with them and, and it just, you know, I was working on the song, you know, in my brain. And, um, she just said, you know, that, that mare didn't care one way or the other. If you're dumb enough to fall off cause you're drunk, the, the horse is going to think, whew, goodness, <laughs> that nitwit is off my back. Um, but that's another, that's another way that I, I fight the, like in the middle of the night, if you wake up, I fight the, um, the word, the anxiety, uh, thoughts is I just recite lyrics. Wow. I recite, you know, I like a, a sort of a complicated song, you know, I'll, one of them I do is the big rock candy mountain. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of words in that. There's another one that, that influenced another, another song on this record called the Sierra peaks, which is a cowboy song. And, uh, then your, your mind is kind of active, but it's not spiraling into some like, Oh God, what's going to happen. That's a great idea. It's funny. It's funny how often yeah. during these conversations, the, um, meditative, <laughs> meditative, um, value properties of making music or music in general or any other really of these um 
art forms, disciplines. I haven't talked about the meditative value of horses, but that's mm. that seems like it goes hand in hand with all of it. Just it's oh, yeah. about being in the moment, right? If you're writing a song, yeah. if you're following a chord progression to the next verse or whatever, that's you have to be in the moment. Yes. Yeah. If you're lucky. And and that's, you know, what I think you learn hopefully is is how to be more intuitive and and let it go just let it be go wherever it's going to go rather than trying to hammer it into place yeah um i think the early x songs uh, i was much more um like left side logical making things happen and and this is the way it's supposed to be and, and that i'm glad i kind of gave that up so is there another book? Is there going to be another book? Not a LA music book. For I mean, you, I, do you think I, you'll I, wind I, up? I might. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll probably do a biography or, or memoir of some sort, which will be, you know, probably along the lines of that Chronicles by Bob Dylan. I'll just pick some, some moments that seem cool or fun or interesting, you know, some, I'll, I'll tell the, you know, get to tell the story about Roadhouse and, and, you know, which was so insane, you know, should so, we much wait for, test, so much testosterone. Should uh, we wait just, for the book or? Oh, I you? could, you know, just, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's so many stories about that because there was so much money and there was, you know, Patrick Swayze and there was Terry Funk and there was Ben Gazzara and there were all these other, you know, like, I don't usually use this term, but swinging dicks, you know, it's just like, Oh God, Oh my Lord. You know, I, I am a poet. I am not a swinging dick. I, I, I humbly defer to your, to your testosterone kind, sir. That was, that was insane. I mean, they would, they built an entire, like, uh, you know, automobile showroom out in uh, New Hall, you know, on uh, just at the bottom of the grapevine in California, they built this whole building made of glass just so they could drive a monster truck over, you know, three or four cars. Fuck. That's like a metaphor for something. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's like you got more money than sense. But people love it. I mean, it's that is one thing that, you know, people say, oh, God, I love Roadhouse. And I thought you're very in touch with your 13-year-old boy. <laughs> Your thirteen-year-old self, even women, yeah. will say that. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> well, as George Draculius used to say, you can't argue with the sales. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Well, actually, it was kind of a bomb when it first came out. That's so funny. It was the first thing that that uh, Joel Silver did that did poorly at the box office, and now it's a uh, a cult hit. You never can tell. You never can tell. Just so, like Chuck Berry said. <laughs> I remember when uh, you came and sang, uh, we recorded some vocals for you on a solo album I did at uh, uh, Bob Clear Mountain's house. And, yes. and you brought your daughters and they were kids. They were little. Yes. Yes. And, and it was one of the sweetest moments. In fact, I probably mm. I could get choked up just thinking about it because now my daughter is 16. But I remember looking at you and here you were this, you know, my idol turned friend whatever but this guy that seemed um like you had very recently been sort of larger than life in my mind and there you were with these two little girls and they loved you and you're laughing and having fun and you were being a dad and mm -hmm. um and it, it did give me 
uh, I was maybe a year away from becoming a dad myself. And it, it pushed me towards that. And I, I think about that a lot. Um, I wonder, as you've gone through the process of raising kids to adulthood and, and having to dole out wisdom and advice, if you were to go back and uh, run into a 21-year-old version of yourself, but in today, in today's world, in 2000 and whatever it is now, what, um, what advice might you give yourself? Oh, um, to not sweat the small stuff, to, you know, not to lose your cool, not to get pulled into the chaos. And you can, it's very easy to get, because it's very dramatic at times. And, um, yeah, but you don't know that at the time because you're you're struggling too. You know, maybe the the second and or third child has a, an advantage because you're a little bit you're a little more seasoned. Yeah, to to stay cool, to to know that it's going to work out. And you know, again, super fortunate that nobody had nobody went to jail. Nobody had a you know raging drug problem. Nobody. Um, that I know of. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, my kids are grown. My youngest child is now 30 years old. Wow. Congratulations. Yes, I know. Um, and, but they all do what they like, you know, they all, they all like what they do. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that would be my advice, but you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Somebody said it's uh, having a kid is, is having your heart live on the outside of your chest. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. It's a lot but of it, that. It, it, it's very exciting to, to have grown up kids. And, and you start experiencing this when they're teenagers, when you get to talk about stuff that is, or, you know, you have to, you get to talk about stuff that's grown up stuff. Yeah. I mean, kid stuff is great. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm now a grandfather. I, I don't know oh, if you know this, but I did not this Veronica had, and her husband, Luke had a, had a baby and it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Dude. Congratulations. Pretty fun. Yeah. I, I, I had very little to do with it, but they're good, <laughs> they're good parents. And that makes you, you know, that makes you happy when they they love each other and they love the kid and they're, you know, kids pretty happy. Mm. Well, I mean, the kid wouldn't exist without you, John. That's true. <laughs> oh man well i really appreciate this and i've i've missed you i hope that our paths cross in real life soon congrats yes. on the on the new record i think people are gonna love it thank you so much for joining me and i'm sure people are gonna love hearing this and i can't wait to yeah. see you in real life same here man uh Thanks. take care of yourself be good to everybody and um yeah i'll see you around absolutely all right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris.
Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.